This is Andy. And this is Matt. And you're listening to The Hop Podcast with No Name. What a dumb name. It's so stupid. <laughs> stupid. And we're off. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you really believe that was so funny. I did. Congratulations I did. Thank on, your, you. on your first win of 2024. <laughs> I made you go this long until you got one. This is a big, big deal for you, huh? It was. Yeah. I thought about it a lot. How you feeling? How you feeling? Like health-wise? Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit under the weather, but we're taking turns. Yes. I just wanted to call it out because last episode, I just sounded so pitiful. Yeah. Yeah. At I've least if up. you didn't sound eh, they would understand why. <laughs> I've caught up. So let's let's do it. All right. What's episode twenty five about? Well Big Two Five. The Big Two Five. We're still on the same track that we've been on for the last so many episodes of um hearing pushback that we tend to hear when we go from place to place or have conversations of people trying to implement these concepts and then getting stuck by sort of really difficult questions that uh, someone in a leadership team might have of like, okay, I hear you, but what about this? And us doing our best to articulate some answers to that. So hopefully you can borrow some of that language, or at least it gives you um, a way to frame up something in your mind to be helpful with trying to figure out how to move forward. Which is, it's good for us for the podcast. We have so much fuel. Because there's, <laughs> do, there are there's a lot of pushback. Plenty of objections <laughs> that we get. Uh, yeah, and it's not wrong. <laughs> sometimes they're very consistent. Mm-hmm. And I think the ones we've covered in today's will be equally as consistent. Sometimes they're really far out there. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like a special episode one day. <laughs> Which is like the weirdest things, things that we've ever heard. We've ever yeah. heard. Uh, but I think today is a, it's a very common one. So. Yeah. What is it? What you got? All right. So part of the feedback we hear almost continuously is um, someone at some point saying, hey, I, I think I understand these hop concepts, but it, it I actually pay people to follow the rules. And in the examples that I've heard in this hop space, uh, it doesn't always seem like that's what's happening. Um, and I, I don't understand why I'm not allowed to hold somebody accountable if I'm paying them to follow the rules. Which this definitely falls under the accountability bucket, which we talk about a lot in in trainings. Um, And I I would even push on that first part. Sometimes it is, hey, I think I understand these concepts, but, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it it is, I've done my own research. (laughs) I know, I know what this is. It's, it's all baloney. So I'll just caveat that That's first fair. part, yeah, which yeah. is sometimes it's not that nice. It's like, <laughs> no. yeah, I know what this is. It's it's nonsense. You, I pay people to follow the rules. And it's that simple, and right? The thought simple. process, it's that simple. I pay somebody to follow the rules, so I don't understand why. Like, even if the rule is inconvenient or takes a lot of time or, you know, it, I, it doesn't matter. I pay them to follow it. And if it. they can't follow it, maybe they shouldn't work here. Yeah. Right? That's usually how it ends. Um, and and sometimes it's that cut and dry. Sometimes it's a little fluffier and nicer, like you said the first time. Sometimes it's not, but in the end, it's very common. Yeah. It always ends with that sort of, I pay people to follow the rules. I just need them to do that. That keeps them safe. It's cut and dry, black and white, simple. Just do it. Yeah. Just do it. So. And then we say, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) this is going to be a conversation. Yeah. Um, 
so what we'll try to do is put some words to the thought process from, you know, the hop lens around that difficulty and then and then give a little exercise for what we might be able to no, do don't, to help. Don't. What? Don't call it an exercise. Is it homework? Call it homework. <laughs> we have gotten requests that people want more homework. They want more homework. Which is probably what you did in school. You were the kid that was like... <laughs> Um, teacher, Excuse you me, forgot. I don't, I don't think you assigned homework. I wanted to today. read more, uh, <laughs> so yeah. We also will end with some homework. Okay. Um, pay people to follow the rules. So one of the first things I think we probably want to separate out when we're talking about rules is whether or not we, as either an individual or as like our organizational processes and policies, are are we capable? of separating out the difference between person problems and system problems. So that's step one. And I'm just, I'm just <laughs> Matt's smiling. giving me a face. I know. <laughs> I'm just smiling because even in the two years I've been doing this, yeah. I think there's been a lot of organizations that have said they've gotten better. Yeah. I think it's becoming actually a fairly common thing to hear when you talk about hot pitches person and system problems. I think people are starting to say, no, 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 I get that part. But yeah. That's yeah. And so we'll define it here. I think we also probably talked about it in some of the accountability episodes if people want more on that piece of it. But so we have both. So that's important for us to recognize. We have person problems and we have system problems. Person problems, what that means is that the problems are associated with the individual and these are the circumstances in which when people say things like, have you ever heard of addition by subtraction? We've heard that a lot. Have you ever heard of addition by subtraction? Of removing that individual is actually probably going to be a benefit for the organization. A person problem is a hiring mistake, which happens, right? A person problem is when you have somebody whose social norms are not aligning at all with the organization's social norms. A person problem, the problems that you see, they are removed when the person is removed. And one of the visuals um, is, Matt, help me remember. It's a uh, pig pen. Pig pen from, from Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown, right? So it's the problems seem to follow the individual around like a cloud of dirt. And we already know who those people are, right? So that's actually kind of the most freeing part of this is if you work around a person problem, you know who they are. And these are not things like uh, you're just annoyed by what that person eats for lunch. Yeah, they're <laughs> or... a loud chewer. Like we've, I think we've used that exact example before. They're, yeah. they're not. They're the they're the people that in a room when their name's brought up, everyone's like, oh, man, I don't want to work with that person. Right. And it's not just because this person has a dissenting opinion. We need dissenting opinions. It is, you know, the person that a crew is afraid of working with because they tend to not listen to anyone else around them and they don't actively communicate in any way, shape or form, right? It is the person that is bullying other people, right? It is the person that it is uncomfortable to work around them because of how they present themselves in the organization. And in those cases, when we have a person problem, which is a really small percentage of the time comparatively to everything else that we deal with, we absolutely want to take care of it as quickly as possible. And you give the person a fair chance to change whatever's happening before you ask them to leave the organization. There which, which are... I just want to... I, yeah. I think I've called this out last time, which is that fair chance to improve is actually has to be a fair chance. Sometimes people 
are going down that path, but they're and they're just unaware. And, yeah. and be, being made aware gives them a chance to change. To change. And actually, what's really interesting is some of the times when people are pushing back on these concepts, they're like, let me tell you about a time when I was first starting off, I got a wake up call, like a swift kick in the rear end because I was doing X, Y, and Z. And that is actually what they're trying to prove yeah. as why you need disciplinary action. And in the back of my mind, although I don't say it out loud very no, often. No, you have. I've been there where you have said it out loud. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because you were a person problem and you needed a swift kick of realignment to be like, hey, this is not how we act. You're not allowed to harass and bully people. So this is acceptable in maybe where you came from, but it is not acceptable here. And there's many reasons why you might think it's acceptable, but honestly, those reasons are not important right now what's important is your behavior and your behavior is not okay. And some of that, I mean, just to give a short example, some of it could be, I worked, um, in my last role in a dock in New Jersey and now I'm in the, in Montana. And just the way that we communicated and behaved in that area was so different. I'm just performing like I'm still there and I don't understand the social norms here. And you tell me what I'm doing wrong. I'll fix it. Yeah, absolutely. So person problems exist. We absolutely want to have conversations with folks when there are person problems and call out, hey, this is what we're seeing. This is why it's not acceptable. This is what we would need to see differently in order for you to continue working here. Period. That's a really small percentage of the time compared to the behaviors that we're frustrated with, meaning we see other behaviors and we would call them person problems, but really they're just a, a red flag or an indication that we have a system problem. System problems don't follow the person around. They follow the system around. So whereas person problems, I mean, historically, when we have a person problem, some places we just move them from group to group because we can't actually figure out how to exit them from an organization. That's not what happens with a system problem. System problems what that means is you see that behavior fairly routinely. So you see a bunch of people not wearing safety glasses, right? You see a bunch of people um, not performing lockout tagout the way that you expected them to, right? You see a bunch of people not filling out time cards the way that you expect them to. You feel you see a bunch of pop-ups of, you know, a quality check being missed. That follows the process or the system around, not the person. So there isn't one person that this is happening to. It's a pattern of behavior that you're seeing. Just hearing you say that, even even thinking about the first example, which was safety glasses, I was like, yeah, I mean, I get it. They should people should wear safety glasses. <laughs> and then you're like, lockout tag on. I was like, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> we we can't tolerate that. Yeah, you can't. That's a oftentimes a cardinal rule. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's hard when you say it like that because even I'm sitting here being like, Ugh, no, don't. right? Don't don't use that example. Yeah, that's that's a terrible. That. But it's true. So so if you see patterns, what that means is that it's not a function of the individual. It is a function of the process, the system, and humanity. Right. There's a bunch of parts of like what it means to be human that we might not like. Like we might not like that we all try to find the path of least resistance or efficiency in given situations. Like we might not like that when we see it present in a specific behavior for a specific time and a specific group of people, but it doesn't mean we can change it. So that means that the problems that we're seeing 
are a function of the system, the process, and humanity combined together. And why that's important for us to know is that if we just try to address the behavior itself, we're still going to see it pop up over and over and over and over again. And this is where some leadership teams get stuck because they're thinking, yeah, but I pay people to follow that rule. So I don't like the behavior that I'm seeing. I pay people to wear their safety glasses. So they should just do it. Which is falls in line with the idea of I get what I tolerate and I have to have zero tolerance. Yeah. So that brings us to the second piece of this puzzle. Can we separate out person problems from system problems? That was the first piece. And then the second piece of the puzzle is understanding that the rules that we put in place, those rules themselves probably have exceptions to them. And going back, (gasps) gasp, gasp, (laughs) going back to the creation of those rules and thinking critically about how they were created. Because oftentimes the rules that we see have, uh, we see behaviors around that, that as a leadership team, we're saying like, we don't like these behaviors. If you step back and learn about the process or the rule or how the rule was created, suddenly that behavior makes a lot of sense. And we start to realize it really doesn't matter which person we would put in this situation, not following this rule is going to make sense to a lot of people. And that's an indication we have to make a change. But let's talk a bit about what we mean about the creation of the rule yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, if I think of many of our like deviation prone rules, and I'm using those words on purpose, right? So r- rules that we as a leadership team thought were the best rules that we could have and that we found that people weren't following. There's a few sort of big categories that those rules fell into when I was able to learn more about what it was like to actually follow the rule. One is that when we created the rule, it came out of a knee-jerk reaction to something, which was pretty common. I don't know if it's common for other folks, but in my world, pretty common. So for example, somebody would get cut with a specific type of box knife or pocket knife. And our response to that was to eliminate all of them. Obviously. Period. Right. Right. The difficulty in making that decision is when you make a blanket statement or a blanket rule that covers an aggressive amount of work, there are going to be some exceptions to that rule. Meaning, okay, I understand conceptually that you would like for this knife not to exist, but also I'm not sure how you want me to get this work done without this knife. And also the thing that you replaced it with doesn't really work well for the situation that I'm in. And also if I used the thing that you asked me to use over and over again, I actually would very knowingly be hurting myself, like hurting my hand or my thumb. And I don't really feel as though your knee-jerk reaction leadership team was warranted. And so therefore... I, as an adult that I am, I'm going to continue to use the knife that I've always been using. You just probably won't know about it because I'll get real good at hiding it. And guess what? What? I know the risks of using this knife. <laughs> right. And I'm willing to accept that risk. Yeah. 
I don't want to use the children's scissors that you just gave me that have no metal edges and they're just two pieces of plastic to open this. Yes. And so that's when you'll get that same leader come back and be like, but I don't care. I have paid that person to follow those rules. So I don't care that they don't like the knife and I don't care that they are okay with accepting the risk because me, I, as the leader, am not okay. To which, unfortunately, we have to recognize that we actually don't pay people to follow the rules. We pay them to execute a job or execute a task. And if we truthfully, like if we could snap our fingers and and allow or force or mandate to turn everyone into robots in which they had no choice, they had no choice but to follow the rules, everything that was written, all the requirements, all the guidelines, all the operating procedures. Maybe this goes without saying, but maybe it needs to be said. All work would grind to a halt. Like it would stop because a lot of the blanket solution sets that we have, you know, rolled down don't work for everything that's out there, which means that you are requiring people to actively make decisions between a rule that has been put in place and the reality of what it takes to get a job done. And people are trying their darndest to make those trade-offs. And we as a leadership team sometimes don't understand that the rule that we've rolled out actually has many, 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 many exceptions to it and many places where the logic doesn't uphold. Like it just logically doesn't make sense to follow that rule in a given situation for any human that was put in that circumstance. So that is the biggest category in my world of what I saw of when we didn't see people able to follow a rule. It's when we looked at the genesis of where that rule came from, it was a knee-jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. The other really, really large category seems to be that the effort to follow the rule itself doesn't seem to lend itself to the risk level that somebody feels that they're in. And there's just, it, it doesn't feel like the juice is worth the squeeze from the end user's perspective. And when you learn in totality about the what they're exposed to in their job, you actually find that many of the things that we put in really strict rules around or about for from their perspective there are many other things that they have to deal with that that are scarier, right? Scarier or more difficult to to handle that that don't have any of that those rules around, and so it just it feels very disproportionate. You mean so, a box cutter is not the scariest thing that person's <laughs> interacting with on a day. Absolutely, or like the example of the person who doesn't do uh, part of a lockout tagout process. And like they, they shut down the machine, but they don't go through the whole, you know, I'm going to actually physically put a lock on this thing and, and do all, and verify they don't do all of that. And, and like on the surface, you're like, I don't understand why you wouldn't do it. And then when you learn about that person's work, they teach you that a significant portion of what they have to do on that piece of machinery, they can't even turn the power off. It's physically not possible to do the work so that they are in, you know, an, an extreme situation most of the time. And the fact that the person actually was willing to take the time and energy to go turn the machine off for this one piece of what they can do is actually kind of amazing that somebody was willing to do that when you see that like the larger view of what the person has to deal with. So those are the two big things that we would want to take a look at as an organization right? when we feel that pushback or is do we know the difference between person problems and system problems? And then the second is when we do have rules that it feels like people aren't following 
Have we taken the time to even look at sort of the genesis of that rule, the problem we were trying to solve with it? And the two biggest categories of difficulties that we see with it is a blanket rule that was a knee-jerk reaction or a rule that is fixated in a place that from the perspective of the end user does not feel like the juice is worth the squeeze. And in both of those situations, as well as any others sort of contributing to these system level problems, I mean, the first thing we have to do is go learn. We have to understand from the perspective of the end user what it's like to follow that rule which is where we get to our homework. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, I, bum, I think I can actually make that noise with this machine that we use. And <laughs> no, it's, it's just come from me. <laughs> can you do it again, except with like vigor? Bum, bum, bum. That was pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So our homework, our homework is um, to try to find an example of this in our organization so that we can use it if a discussion ever comes up with somebody, right? An example of this, what I mean by this, is that we want to go take a look at a rule that we would consider deviation prone, meaning that the leadership team really, really feels like it's a good rule, and yet we find that a fairly large group of people don't seem to follow it all the time. And you gave some examples of safety glasses. Not filling out a time uh, card, yeah. right, whatever. It could be within safety. It could be within quality. It could be within operations. doesn't matter. And then we want to go learn about a few things. What does it take to actually follow that rule? Right. So like if somebody was going to follow it to the letter, what does that look like? And people can teach you of like, yeah, I'd have to do X, I'd have to do Y, I'd have to do that perfectly every time. We'd want to learn about that. We'd also want to think about what problem were we trying to solve by putting this rule in place? And did we ever check if it was actually solving it? So what is the genesis of this rule? Where did it come from? Was it was the rule itself based on really sound logic? And then the last piece that we want to make sure that we understand is like the perspective of the individual doing the work and the idea of whether or not the juice is worth the squeeze. So once they teach us what is it actually like to to follow that rule, also in the larger understanding of their work, does it make sense to them? to be doing it that way. And in those conversations, we start to see like very tangible systemic problems that either make the rule have a bunch of exceptions to it in which we would have to tackle all those exceptions. Or we just understand that maybe we were trying to solve a really good problem with this rule, but the solution set isn't working well. So the rule itself, which is the solution set, is not working well. And maybe we want to go back to the drawing table to figure out a different type of solution for the same problem. I like it. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I, I my brain keeps going back to the brief conversation we had before we started recording about causation and correlation mm. and just saying that eh, we put this rule in place and then we saw a reduction in hand injuries or cuts and so therefore it's working and just not accepting that as truth. Yeah. It's, it's, it's correlation. Not correlation. Yeah. And that's kind of what this homework is testing. Yeah. If, you know, if we suddenly, if we put in, if we take away pocket knives and then we don't see hand injuries for a while that look like cut injuries, have we just decided that that correlation is causal to the rule? And if we have, well, we, we probably should think a little bit harder on that right? because there's a lot, there's a lot of things that are correlated in life that are not causal. Um, yeah. Which is tough. 
which yeah. is, it's really tough. It just, it, I mean, we can, we won't go into the ordered <laughs> thinking. Uh, or the complex thinking. Feels, we won't, we it won't just right feels now. feels so good to be like, yes, I did this and therefore this happened. Causation done. I'm the best. I've solved it. <laughs> I've solved it. Move on. Uh, yeah, right. So, awesome. all right. Well, that's it. Thanks for, thanks for joining. And we'll, we'll see you again soon. Well, that's it. Yep. Another one in the books. <laughs> we did it. If you uh, want to send us any of your thoughts, actually fling us any of your thoughts, you can do so at the website www.hoppodcast.com. That's H-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com. It's still such a stupid name. It's such a stupid name. <laughs> we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.